Salutations and shit, motherfuckers. Welcome, welcome the fuck back to another episode of Travel and Shit, your new favorite travel podcast where I have more of a general discussion of um, the experiences of travel and how it essentially just correlates to everything else that I personally can think of. And uh, I'm your host, T. Carrie, and um, I'm working on this whole not doing the most in the beginning so we're gonna dive right the fuck in and i've got a guest this week so my beautiful guest thank you for joining me please introduce yourself oh two guests (laughs) hi fancy face hi i'm martinique lewis thank you so much for having me uh affectionately known as marty san diego across all social media platforms and i'm a diversity and travel consultant the creative lead of nomadness travel tribe the first black travel movement to start in america i'm the president of the black travel alliance and now i can add the creator of the abc travel green book the reason why we are here uh, but that's me. That's who I am. I am in love with all things travel, specifically black travel. But I go hard every day for diversity in travel in general. Oh, okay. Pitch. <laughs> that's what I got to work on. I got to work on just being able to say it all cohesively, <laughs> cleanly, to the point, and just so marvelously. So, Marty, thank you so much for sitting with me. I really appreciate you um, having this conversation with me. I absolutely wanted to say congratulations on your book. Thank you. I absolutely understand how much of a, what's the word, a a labor of love it is to create a project. And um, it's, I, I respect the game. Thank Bucket, you. Uh, in, in a nutshell. So what exactly is the ABC Travel, it's the ABC Travel Green Book, right? Right. Okay, go ahead and explain what that is. Um, yeah, so the ABC Travel Green Book is a, a a travel guide, right? So if people say, why does it sound so familiar? It's because there was a Negro Motors Green Book that was created by Victor Hugo Green in 1936. And it lasted from the 1930s to the 1960s. And during that time in America, we know to be a Black person trying to travel was not a necessarily good thing. We didn't know where we could stop and be welcome. We didn't know where we could stop in a town where we wouldn't be, you know, chased mm-hmm. out of there or even losing our life. Exactly. Sundown towns. And so he created this book as a guide to let African-American travelers know where they could go, where they were welcome and where they weren't welcome. And it literally kept us all safe. It kept our grandparents safe. You know, in some people's cases, it kept their parents safe. I remember my mom telling me when she was younger, they could not stop driving from California to Texas. And I was like, huh? And I'm like, but mom, you're not even that old. So we're not that far removed from, you know, Um, but taking a page out of his book, I decided to do the same concept, except I wanted to make it an international, international book now, because there's so many black people everywhere you go, no matter where you go, you just don't necessarily know that they're there. So I was Mm -hmm. using it as a guidebook to identify, you know, these travel communities, these black owned businesses, um, black communities for expats. So you know, you know, what's there before you go. And so I created the ABC travel green book. Now people are like, Oh, it's like ABC because of you're, you're listing things from A to Z. And I'm like, yes, it is. But it also stands for all black content travel network. So a lot of people like don't that. know. People like you should start saying that more. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's really what ABC stands for. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's a travel guide that takes you to six out of seven continents. Cause don't nobody live in Antarctica. <laughs> Why is it even a continent? I don't know, but it lets you know and identify those communities and those businesses, you know, especially after blackout Tuesday, when everybody, 
post that they're black squares and black lives matter. We're going to amplify black voices. Yeah. Well, how, especially if you're in the right. travel, how are you doing this? So this allows them now to not be phony and say they're going to do something because I did the work for them. So now they can find these things that they should include, you know, in the travel publications on their social media, you know, uh, on their podcast within their travel itineraries when they send press out to write about destinations. So right. I'm very, very excited about it. There's nothing like this that has ever been put out before. You know, I can tell you the things Google can't, you know, I can, I can help identify things that you never would have known before that Wikipedia can't tell you. So I am the search engine with the with the abc travel green book so what was your process is it are, have, are these actually places that you've been uh yourself or have you used other people's input or influence uh what was your so, process? i say 95 percent of the book was my research um five percent was other people and the reason i say that is because there is a there is a time where you get to the book and it says historical landmarks throughout america that show some type of african-american history and a girl ended up putting together all the landmarks in a google doc on a sheet so you can literally just open up the sheet and it'll show you literally state by state mm -hmm. and it was all based off of the recommendations from a facebook group so like i use that and i just give you the link because i'm like listen i'm not gonna list all these i'm gonna give you the link right. and then when i got to brazil i can't speak portuguese so there was no way of me knowing if something is black owned i couldn't necessarily communicate to the owners like is this black owned and there was a lady who runs uh, like black brazilian tours um that she was like oh i can help you with this so she gave me a list of things i'm super super grateful for that because that is the issue that i you know came up against right. It's been two years in the making. Um, it has been some Google. Um, it has been a lot of Facebook. And people might say, well, what do you mean? Well, there are Facebook groups out there. So there's brothers yes. and sisters of Kuwait. There's brothers and sisters of Taiwan. There's, there's black, black expats in Brazil, black expats in Colombia, black expats in Panama. So I just basically joined every single group that I could. And I inserted myself into these groups for about a year. I looked at the conversations. I checked it every day. You know, in the search tab, I would type in black owned just to see, you know, what right. was open and what was closed and what people were thinking about how hard it was to even own a business if the banks was giving black people loans to open businesses so i did it that way and then also because the algorithms on instagram and facebook are so good if you like a black nail lady who does nails in scotland it's going to show you another black lady who does nails in scotland so i end up finding people that way also whether i friended you um on facebook or liked you on facebook and friended you on instagram that was another way of me doing it so it was a lot of research and then it was definitely some places that i've been but i haven't been to a lot of places um I was telling somebody the other day, like, as much as I travel, I was shocked to know I've only been in 21% of the world. And I'm thinking, dang, wow. I'm like, I've been like 30 countries, but that's only 21%. You know what I mean? I'm like, I haven't hit so much stuff, you know? I'm just like, wow. And I was like, I need to take this book and go ahead and do some of the things that I tell other people to do. So I'm excited about that. But I don't think people realize, like, just because you've been to 50 states, that's only one country. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? I never thought about putting it into a, a percentage perspective uh -huh. for some and reason. It's like, have you been to Africa? Yeah, but you've only been to two countries out of right. 54 in Africa. So, you know, it's, it's one of those. Um, and I just was like, dang, I ain't really been nowhere. Like, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, my process has been about a two year long one. It wasn't easy for the simple fact that I didn't have motivation. Like I would start and then I would stop like, man, this is taking too long. Like I would spend a day on one country. I could spend three days on one country. And I'm like, right. bro, this is not like, no. And then I got to a point where I was like, I really want to finish this green book, but I'm waiting on the right time. And I remember my best friend told me, he was like, he's like, you will know the exact time 
that you should release this. And I was like, I just don't feel like it's coming. And this is me saying that at the beginning of COVID, pre-George Floyd, right? Right. And then fortunate events happened to George Floyd. And I was like, oh no, the time is now. While everybody talking about celebrate mm -hmm. black culture, amplify black businesses. And after that, it was just, it was a done deal. It was a done deal. So now we're here <laughs> a few months later. And um, yeah, the Green Book is out now. Congratulations. Thank you. So what is was what was the I guess process like was there a screening process for the uh, businesses to be included in the book like even though like they've been found is it like did you I guess you vet them in a sense or did you reach out to any of them um some of them I reached out to some reached out to me once um some of the press started going so what I did was I bought as many original green books as I could and study what Victor Hugo Green did oh, wow. and um one thing he says is that please just because these businesses are listed that does not imply that we recommend them to you we're listing you. them so I had to give tons of disclaimers okay. another one was that you know businesses open and close so by the time you mm -hmm. get to a business it might not be there anymore or another one was we are living through a global pandemic somebody might be temporarily Damn. closed but just understand that they might either open back up but it might not be to next year so there are disclaimers mm -hmm. that i have to give because without me going there's absolutely no way for me to know but the thing about black businesses is the majority of them when you are overseas are all in the same neighborhood so if okay. i can get you to the neighborhood mm -hmm. you will only see one black restaurant there you'll see 20 right you know what I mean? if i can get you to the neighborhood where you see most of the people that are doing hairs and barbershops you're gonna see five more so that's that's one of the the most powerful things about it. i tell you exactly where the black people are because then you could mm -hmm. go there and you'll find other things that way now it their business is listed but i know you mentioned um that you were immersing yourself in the expat communities are there other black resources that you have listed in the book as opposed to just um i guess food and fodder and shit like that like what else yeah, is included in the book yeah so victor hugo green when he did his it was accommodations restaurants things like mechanics you know i don't i don't have any need to to put a mechanic right. in there because i'm like in my head people are flying to these destinations but um i definitely do accommodations uh beauty and cosmetics um cooking classes if there's any drive-in movie theaters if there's any wellness travel fitness um restaurants salons and barbershops and it literally goes in alphabetical order so you'll find them from a to z but depending on what i do mm -hmm. before i even get to a country if it's an overall um i'm sorry before i get to a specific city if it's an overall country and they have like an app specifically for black people i list that app if there oh. are facebook groups or communities that's for the whole country i list those facebook groups and if there are black events that that i think you should plan your trip to that mm -hmm. place around so that you can experience this black culture in that place i list that before i get into the specific cities so it's it's pretty easily navigatable um but but it is also something that i think i have to break down sometimes because people thought this was going to be like a book book and i'm like no this is the yellow pages you know what i mean like this is mm -hmm. listings and i think right. people thought it's gonna be like paragraphs and i'm like nah and i'm like now i might get to a point where you're where you get to estonia or georgia as in the country georgia right. and i do go into a paragraph and i let you know like this many cases of racism have been reported in the past Got year it. Uh, you know, or or this has happened historically in this place, or this is where the black people are historically in this place, or mm -hmm. there's no black people, so expect to be stared at and stay aware and alert. Right. But I give those disclaimers, and then I go into stuff. So I try to be as thorough as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but once 
if people are really interested, they'll they'll go through. And of course, right. there's a table of contents that helps you get to places faster. But in the beginning of the book, there's a quick guide. And I did the quick guide because there was no way I could put all of America in there. You know, page, page numbers and how big the book is, the money I would get comes down, right? So I have to think strategically right. because Connecticut alone has 100 pages. You know what I mean? And it's okay. a place like Connecticut. We're not even talking about California. We're not talking about Texas. We ain't talking about Georgia. We're not talking about Florida. We're talking about Connecticut, right? A place you don't Wait, really- Wait, you, you said 100 pages? For 100 the... pages alone. So this is all digital? No, no, no. This is, this is, so if it was digital, it would be more than 100 pages. This okay. is for the actual book in two column format, Connecticut had 100 pages alone. So I say that to say, putting America in there was going to be so exhausting. So what I okay. did is a quick guide, right? So it's like black owned accommodations question. around the world. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's like black brunches in all 50 States at black owned restaurants. And then also black owned restaurants that do brunches around all the black owned wine, uh, winery mm -hmm. and distilleries, black owned cannabis spots. So I broke it down based off of your interest. So you could quickly find that instead of having to exhaust the list of telling you every single black owned restaurant in Connecticut. Gotcha. So what I did is when you get to black food apps and when you get to black apps, then I say eat black owned, eat okra. Like as these mm -hmm. are the places where you can pinpoint exactly if you want to go to the Sassy Biscuit in Montana, you go ahead and type in Montana and it'll pull it up. So, you know, I, I also give you the resource that links to other black resources just mm -hmm. to keep the page count down or else it would get extremely exhaustive in certain places like America. I knew North America was going to be the greatest, of course. Um, so, yeah. So you do have the states in there also, right? Yeah, but it's it's literally quick guide. So okay. do it by the quick guide. So I also have a place in there where's the United States where I give you the uh where I give you the resources to how you can find the black owned in each state. So under California, there's a listing for the document that's black on each state. So I don't have to list them all. So I curate that process. Because like I said, instead, you're talking about 5,000 page book here. And I'm like, listen, Barnes and Noble ain't going to give me no money because it's right. going to cost everything just to make them, you know. But I do go through that, um, that guide for you. So if you ordered pre-sale, what kind of, because I've. I'm trying to think, what the fuck did I order? Did I order a hard copy or did I order a digital copy? I don't know. If you ordered a digital copy on pre-sale is available now. If you ordered a hard copy of pre-sale through Barnes & Noble, I think it'll be to you by September the 10th. I did something weird where I didn't realize that I could never take it off of pre-sale. So I just oh. put in that date because I wasn't ready by the date that they wanted me to be ready to upload the final manuscript, which was something like August the 7th. So I was like, oh, That's let me... The oh, is it? Happy yep. birthday. Thank you. Um, let me um, set it to a later date so I have enough time because in my head, my, my date was August the 19th. Okay. And so um, when we uploaded on the 19th, we thought we'd be able to take it off a of pre-order and just hit publish now, but Barnes & Noble don't let you do that. Okay. So it's still on pre-order, unfortunately, and it won't get to people until September 10th. But I'm like, listen, we can't travel like that nowhere, nowhere yet. Um, okay. So, you know, by September 10th, people will still be fine. But if people want to purchase off Amazon, it is available now. Cause I did, I think I did my pre-order on Amazon. Okay. So if you did an Amazon ebook, then it's available for you now. Oh, sweet. Because I'm thinking about going to Vermont in okay. a couple of weeks. Cause okay. I feel like I, let's do a road trip. Why the fuck not? I've wanted to visit Vermont just because who the fuck goes to Vermont. Right. And I, now that I have the time and opportunity, I figured. Why not? Fucks with it. And this would come perfectly because I was looking on their website and they do have, um, 
I saw some black owned farms because apparently I think we are African-Americans own less than 1% of the farms in the entire nation. And if I can get to one yeah, for shits and gigs, why not? So what made you want to do this book? Um, basically I was having these uh, incredible experiences in different countries where I saw people who look like me in places I didn't know people who look like me were. And I'm thinking if I'm having these amazing experiences, everybody else keep coming here. I ain't never seen them post this. And I'm like, mm. I need to create something other than social media where it's in somebody's head today and out tomorrow because of yeah. whatever else is going on that people know they can always go to. Because like I said, I'm the creative lead at Nomadness Tribe. So I always sprinkle this in there all the time. Like last week, I talked about how to find the black people in Jerusalem or in Israel. And then I talked about, you know, the first black man to fly coast to coast in America. But it's, it's me taking those things and now putting them in a book form so you always can reference them. Now, question for you. Are you considering updating the digital copy so that like four years from now or three like especially considering that we're in a pandemic right now a lot of things like you mentioned are going to change so um in terms of it's an incredible resource that's always going to be a good resource however like things are going to change so i would love if that were an option oh that's a good subscription service (laughs) so if you notice on this one is volume one because every year i'll come out okay volume and so even now as more people found out about the green book people have hit me up and said hey am i in it so i'm giving myself until october to add all the new people because if you downloaded the ebook mm-hmm. then you um you're constantly getting updates if you got the actual paperback book you're not getting updates if you already bought the book and then i'm updating it a, a, a week later with stuff so i tell myself right. i give myself to, to october to add as much more as i can and after that i'm not adding anything until the 2021 version comes out mm-hmm. but it's very much so like the original green book where he came out with it annually and that's what right. i'll do as well but okay. i have plans um to finish the app by december so if people just get an app it'll be a yearly cost that's my subscription service it'll be a yearly cost to have it um but the app is like a facebook a yelp and a trip advisor put together so you'll be able to create a profile um you'll be able to literally build out your itinerary your black itinerary oh. based on the place that you're going so you can send it to your family you can send it to your friends so people know exactly what you're doing on what days you can you know make the the hotel reservation or make the restaurant reservation right then and there then you can put out a travel notice so like let's say you're a solo female traveling you're going to brussels you can put out that travel notice and then it will ping anybody else who has also put out a travel notice and say hey this person is here if you guys want to meet up for drinks if you guys want to eat dinner together if you guys want to take a tour together so you'll meet other travelers you know while you're there now granted you don't have to put that travel notice out there but that's just for people who like to meet people that same notice will also let people know if you're available for dates so it's something like that you know i'm trying to put it in there but let's say you do go to the restaurant right then and there you can take pictures you can upload it underneath that restaurant you can leave a, a review so that's how it's like the yelp so it's three things in a one but you know people like us we would want that but people like my mama she wants the physical book so that's why i want to have both of them because i want that do it yeah i mean i i can't wait for the app you know i i went through some hardships with the app because i wanted it to be by black developers but when you get apps done in america it is at least three times more than what it is when you take it overseas and my friends was like you better get over there they was like we don't care if it's by a black developer or not they like listen we understand what you're doing for black businesses through the app so don't even worry about that and so I, I, I swallowed my own pride and I went ahead and went overseas and it was three times cheaper. So I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, save this money right here. So, cause then also, I mean, 
honestly speaking, that can be refunneled into another way to develop the project. So it's not like it's, you know, done off of just the, I'm gonna go the cheap route. It's the, no, I want to do this in the manner that is going to allow me to put out the best product for everybody to be able to consume. So what type of um, hiccups or bumps in the road have you come across, even in terms of just being just a a creative process as a, you know, an entrepreneur in this sense, and then also maybe in the sense of people, did anybody not want to be included? Did anybody give you any pushback or were there any obstacles that you had to overcome to get this where it is now? Well, I didn't ask anybody if they wanted to be in the book. So okay. whether they like it or not, hey, <laughs> we're here. Um, one issue I had was at the beginning of quarantine, my company bought me a computer charger and it was a faulty one. So it kept zapping out all my computers and I couldn't understand why all my computers were dying. So I would like start the green book again and then the computer would completely die. So they would give me a new one. I would start it again. And so finally I got smart and I said, do it in Google Docs. Because if it's in Google okay. Docs, you can access it from anywhere. You won't keep losing this information. And then once I realized it was a charger, I'm like, man. So I did have like three more starts where I lost everything, um, yeah, where I lost so I lost everything due to a faulty charger. And then um, there was two times in my research where I was really disappointed. And um, one was in the Caribbean and the other one was in Africa because I realized that it's not black owned. A lot of the stuff is owned by whoever colonized each country. And so when you get there, like 10% of the place is owned by black people. And so a place like Africa, where we all want to go, especially trying to get back to it and connect half of the businesses, not even half of it, the majority of the businesses are owned by foreigners or white people. And that was just really, really heart wrenching to me because I was like, I bet you people are waiting on this just so they can see where they can go in Africa. You know what I mean? The safaris are not owned by us. The restaurants are not owned by us. The walking tours are the only thing owned, but because I can't speak Swahili or because I can't speak Igbo or because I can't speak French, you know, I can't connect with the people right. to really understand. So um, then I started connecting with tourism boards there with their North America representatives and said, listen, I'm putting out this, this, um, this book. And although I had to give this disclaimer that 90% of Africa is not owned by us, um, I was like, I need to work with you guys within this next year so that 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 resource, once you get to Africa, looks very, very different, you know? And I yes. was like, I don't want to be no fraud. And they're like, you're not being a fraud. They're like, if anything, you are pointing out the inequalities that we still face every day on this continent. They're like, mm -hmm. it is true, you know? They're like, the foreigners come in by, there's like, China comes in and buys up everything. And then they'll hire the I service. I just learned that. The management, you know what I mean? I'm like, what? And I'm just like, wow. So, you know, I hope that it, that it, it inspires people who are native of Africa, but who live somewhere else to go back and invest and buy the country back, buy the mm -hmm. continent back. And I also hope that it encourages people from Africa, in Africa, to start their businesses. So it looks very, very different. You know, don't let these people push you out. And right. of course, the Caribbean, all of them, you know, were colonized by the French, the Dutch, the Spain. Right. So there, there are their grandkids, right? Mm -hmm. These white people with Jamaican accent, these white people with a Bayesian accent who have been born and raised there, right? Because yeah. their families were there, but those are the ones who own the businesses because it's generational wealth now, you know what I mean? And even though you can go to Miss Angela's house in Barbados, 10 minutes down the gap, you know, she making mm -hmm. food out of her house. So it's not a technical restaurant, but I do right. tell you to go visit Shorty, you know? <laughs> so it's things like that, um, that I just was so heartbroken over because I feel like those are the things that people want to know. But I'm like, that's all right. Like the actual places 
that are open that I know of are in the quick guide. So like there are quite a, a few of accommodations, um, black owned accommodations throughout the Caribbean. So you find that in the quick mm -hmm. guide. There are quite a few distilleries in, in the Caribbean. You find that in the quick guide. So I still try to balance it out as much as I can. I know that that used to always kill me when I would watch um, House Hunters because when I did have cable, all I would watch was HGTV, TNT. You would, if if it if it played something in syndication, like if Law and Order was on the channel, I would watch that channel. But right. House Hunters, you'd see these white folks go out here to buy like these, you know, cute little uh, tropical little homes and shit, and then like open businesses. And it was just one of those they would consistently and then open a business or just start working here and let's transit from like Rhode Island and open up a branch here. And it's just, okay, I see what y'all doing. Like, I mean, get yeah. your bread, but at the same time, it's just like, mm, got to do it here. Why can't you just stay like in Vermont or Rhode yeah. Island? Yeah. What were some of the experiences that you've had in your travels that you particularly wanted to highlight by doing the book? Oh my gosh. Any um, black history tour, no matter where it was. So there's the quick guide where it says international black history tours. So I tell you about Alex Rocha in Colombia who does an experience real Colombia. Loved it. That's why I went and took it because of y'all. Listen, I love that is he is. I call his kids my brothers and sisters like they are Chris my, did my tour. I, oh, Chris did your tour? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So exactly like, you know, the Rocha family does so much right there in San Francisco with all of their all of their community stuff. And I'm like, you know, without tourism, Alex can't help the community. So it's like, I want people to know about Alex or, you know, the Black History Tour in Paris. I tell everybody about Kevy. I tell everybody about Ricky. I tell everybody about Jackie. Uh, the Black History Tour in um, Portugal. I tell everybody about Naki. The Black History Tour in Amsterdam. I tell everybody about Jennifer. The Black History Tour in London. I tell everybody about Tony. So, you know, I'm there. The Black History Tour in Brazil. I tell everybody about Sayura. So I, I wanted to make sure people know, like, if you want to know our history, these are the people that you hit up when you go there. These are their websites. Go ahead and buy it now if you know you're going to be traveling there in 2020 right. because my people need funds. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have to refund all of that. And, um, that that making sure that I'm helping other people and other people understand that I have your back as much as I can. You know, if I could get 500 people to buy this book, if I can get, you know, 20,000 people to buy the book, 20,000 more people are going to know about you than knew about you before. So right. that's my biggest thing, you know, um, making sure that these black owned businesses feel supported by a community that they don't know. And that's why I tell people like, Please get the ebook also, but make sure you get the paperback book so that when you go there or if you have your e-reader, I want you to show these people this is how I found you. You know what I mean? I want you to take right. a picture with the book at the restaurant and send it to me so I have some content to throw up on my social media. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like, but really I want these people who don't know who I am to understand, like, I got you. Like, really, I got you. You don't have to worry about COVID. COVID going to be here. COVID ain't going nowhere. We're going to have right. to learn how to exist in it. But I don't want you to ever have this type of season again where you have to worry about things because people are not coming into the country. It's a community effort at this point because because of the digital era that we're in, we are essentially more of a community um across well it's a global community basically and considering that black travelers are a growing demographic i've found that there is so much community in the digital um world of black travelers and i've got to say that you guys at nomadness are doing like such a bomb job with audacity fest in particular yeah. when i tell yeah. you i have connected with so many different people because of the um the shift that you guys are and because y'all were doing it in New York this year. Yeah. And 
I was actually going to show up because I'm like, all right, y'all right here. There's no reason for me not to go. Drop the bread, show up. You here, you work in Manhattan. Like, it's do the thing. Yeah. And then life, life, life. And I appreciate you guys for still doing the pivot because it has still been an incredible resource. It's been very entertaining. And that Hopin platform is bomb, right? Oh my gosh. I keep telling people about it. Mm -hmm. It is so, 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 so good. And I wish more people would use the platform just because I don't know what it's like for you guys on the back end, but just knowing that so many things are happening at the same time. And even as a user, the flexibility that you have to jump to the polls, to jump to, oh, also, could you send me the link that, um, I think uh, Avita is doing for the, the, what do you call it? The survey you guys are doing. Yes, So absolutely. I can include that in the show notes also. Yeah. Um, there's a survey that Nomad and Travel Trap is doing so that we can get actual stats and statistics for um, black, travel. black travelers and travelers of color. So absolutely take the survey just because numbers matter. Numbers matter. Don't let anybody tell you that numbers don't matter because that's why they want us to take the census so that we get counted so that people know this is what we're spending. This is where we are. This is what we want. And y'all got to show the fuck up the way y'all keep putting them little squares up saying that you're doing it. And then all the, um, it's a good segue to the uh, work you're doing with diversity inclusion. Um, if you want to speak on that. Yeah. So um, like I said, I am all about black travel, but then I realized that there are other travelers who also feel left out. So travelers in wheelchairs, amputee travelers, blind travelers, deaf travelers, plus size travelers, Muslim travelers. And I was like, dang, it ain't nobody listening to none of us. And I was like, well, somebody gonna hear me because I'm the girl from Oakland who does not back down. I'm gonna keep going until, you know, my mission is complete. Um, and so I started advocating daily just for travelers everywhere to be represented. Because uh, I think it's unfair, you know, for destinations to do all these things for a certain type of traveler. And I'm like, nah, because everybody's coming to your destination. All of our money goes into I was your just going to say, all that shit spent. You know, exactly. All your money, all of our money goes in your bank account. You can't tell who it came from or none of that. So why does it matter? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do do a lot of work in diversity and inclusion. Like I said, I'm, I'm a diversity and travel consultant and brands hire me to come in and either do diversity training or help with their diversity marketing strategies so they can Mm. connect with inclusive communities, whether it's online, whether it's through print, you know, whether it's through social media. So I actually very much so enjoy that. Um, I am in a league of my own most of the time. Um, I don't really know anybody else who's doing this and that and that's in this space, although people might talk about it, but I'm like, nah, this is my day to day. So if somebody does invite me onto a diversity and inclusion panel, it's because that's my job. You know what I mean? Right. It's not just because I'm black, but it's because that's actually what I do. Um, but I enjoy it, you know, because um, it really helps teach people that for one, they're biased or for two, they just didn't realize the things that were going around them, but it really makes for a better industry. And I always tell people diversity and inclusion is not a buzzword. It's a call to action. That mm-hmm. means you got to put your feet on the ground and you got to make something happen. You can't just keep talking about it. So I am proud of that work that I do. Um, I release a diversity and travel, I'm sorry, diversity and inclusion uh, report card every year. Okay. Um, as the travel industry just, and I grade the industry and I, I grade them pretty low every year. And I'm like, cause y'all not doing enough, you know? Right. The grades will go up when you do more. So we'll see now that they all want to post a black squares, what, what the rest of the year will look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By 2020, um, diversity inclusion report card will be out. So how can we, as the, uh, 
broader community advocate for ourselves so that we can, because granted people, companies may be hiring professionals such as yourself to do this whole presentation and then what the fuck happens after that. So they've done the work on their end or they've given the optics of them doing the work. So now they can, you know, show that they've had someone come in and do all these discussions, but how do we as travelers advocate for ourselves when we're in the market to travel or when we're in the market to purchase products and so that we are able to amplify the work that you guys are doing, but then also kind of feel as if we're being proactive in the sense of helping make change or um, advocate for change for ourselves. Yeah, I always say everybody has a voice. So, you know, if you're following that brand on social media and you're noticing that there's nothing but white, able-bodied, skinny, blonde chicks, say that. You know, everybody's voice does matter. And the biggest thing is just speaking up. It, it is sending that email to their marketing or their PR team. Like, this is what I experienced here and I didn't like it. What can, what are you going to do about it? So I would just say be be vocal. Don't be scared. You don't have to back down. Like like they say in the um, airport, when you see something, say something, period. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like that's um, our city logo, personally. Yeah. And like, in New York, like it's on the trains, it's on the buses, it's everywhere. It's just like we we're just used to it. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's that's the advice I have to give for that. So you do all this work for other people, but what is it that you do for yourself? Like, do you have a process that you go through when you're traveling to make sure like that certain bullets that you find important to yourself are being hit when you travel? Um, so normally, um, I travel just as Martinique Lewis, the diversity and travel consultant and content creator. And um, a lot of times I'll end up changing itineraries that they'll send me because there's no like ethnic anything on there. Mm-hmm. And I just tell them like, listen, my my community wants to know about people who look like them in this space. So I'm changing this to X, Y, Z. I'll do the three things that you have on there, but know that I'm going to do these four other things as well. And that's mm-hmm. what I'll be telling Um, That's what I'll be speaking on. And so for the most of the part, they say yes. So just in general, when I go anywhere, I always try to seek out the black community. That's really one of the only things I have to do. And I also try to seek out the black history. So even if they're not black people now, how did black people build this city? Or what significant role did black people play here? And those are the different stories that, you know, I try to get and that I try to tell. Do you have a why? Like as a why to, as in why this matters to you, why the work yeah, getting done? People, um, all the time. I have one mission and it's to change the face of tourism. And that's my why, because I'm tired of seeing tourism look like one person, literally one person. And her name is Karen or Sarah. You know, it's right. like, I, I, my why is because I'm tired of not seeing myself reflected. And I don't want my, my niece to go through the same thing. She's six now, but when she's 26, she shouldn't be dealing with the same things I dealt with in 2020, period, you know? So that's, that's my why, because I'm, I'm ready to be the change that I want to see, but even more so I'm ready for the representation all the time. So when you travel, how do you travel? Are you a group travel? You're more professional travel? Are you a solo traveler? It just depends. So, excuse me. I travel so much and most of the time it's like for work or for a press trip. So press Mm -hmm. trips might be single or they might be with a group. Um, I'm always in London. So it starts off solo travel, but of course I'm going to see my friends. So it just, it just honestly depends. I very, I very seldom get to be by myself. And when I am, Oh my gosh, it is something magical. Okay. It's like, wow, I can sit in the room and I can hear myself think and I can really mm-hmm. sleep and I can really relax and I don't have to do nothing. So I, I think two times that was my story. And one was Latvia this past November. Um, 
And the other time was Brussels, maybe uh, the end of 2018. And oh my gosh, that Brussels trip, man, I just, it was nice to eat by myself, with myself, you know, because when, when, when do people really do that? People aren't comfortable with themselves. And that's why I always tell people, you have to travel to know who you really are because you understand who you are when you are faced either with adversity or when you are faced with different situations, like eating with yourself. Are you comfortable doing it? Can you just sit at the table and not even look at your phone? Can you just sit at the table and enjoy You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And are you okay with being at the table by yourself? So it's just interesting, um, the different things that you face as a solo traveler. But I wouldn't say I prefer it. I, I don't think I have a preference. I travel in groups. I travel with my mom. I travel with my grandmother. Like, it just depends. So, yeah, every, everything is special to me. Everything um, gives me a, a complete sense of gratitude, no matter who I'm with or no matter what, who, like, if I'm with myself. But like mm -hmm. I said, you, you have to travel to be able to get those experiences and really understand who you are. I like that you say that because one of my um, big points, well, two of the big points on the podcast are travel is more than vacation. And it's not that vacation isn't travel, but it's just that if you spend time to be consciously present with yourself, you are, you're allowed to experience, experience yourself so much differently than you do on a general day-to-day -day basis. And right. that's, for me, why travel is so important to me, because it gives me an entirely different way to experience myself. When I'm home, I'm a homebody. I don't do shit. I stay on the couch with the dog, and I'm completely content. I don't, I love being by myself. I will read. I will binge watch TV. I will do whatever it is that's going to entertain me in that moment. Like, I don't get bored. But when I travel, I want all the things. Like, throw me in the fucking game. Like, I'm in the streets. I'll run. I'll roam around and just get lost and then be unlost. Or I'll book something. I book all the black shit I can find generally when I go someplace. And it is, it, for me, I didn't start traveling until I got much older. I don't think it, it was 2017. So I was 30, 31. And... I ain't left. I hadn't left the country before then. I think I'd been to like um, Canada for like a Carabana when I was in junior high. But for me, that you was at Carabana in junior high, girl, with my family. Like I went oh. with my grandma and my mama. I think it was a church trip at that. And it just so much. It just so happened to be Carabana. And I remember because there was this little cute little boy doing uh playing mass and i'm like oh i am in love with you and we just locked eyes through this little gate and then all of a sudden we was best friends you couldn't tell me that wasn't my little boyfriend for the rest of the day but yeah i do remember that we ended up starting like niagara falls and then because one of my grandmas acted like she was pushing me over and i never let go of that fear so i also uh yeah i forgive her but i let her forget it but all that being said i absolutely think that people should be as present as possible because for me travel is just um a brand new way to experience myself and i've learned so much more about myself because of having that opportunity to put to put myself in those different challenging experiences or challenging environments because when i'm home it's just it's what i'm used to and i don't necessarily stretch as much out of my comfort zone just because it's like why I work all day. I come home. It's like, no, this is from, this is the time for me to decompress. And since I don't have to do that when I travel, it just becomes an opportunity to do so much more with myself for myself and of myself that I got to say, like, I absolutely fucking enjoy. Right. So with your experiences, what 
part did experiences from other people um, contribute to the work that you're at, that you're able to do? Because I know you said like your mom has um, told you about the time like she they didn't stop on that drive that they did. Have you had any other, um, I guess, important pieces of information come from other people or experiences shared with you? Well, so um, half of our family is Panamanian. So we had a grandmother who was born and raised in Panama and came to America as an immigrant and um, whose family got to Panama by way of Barbados and Jamaica to build the Panama Canal. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there are a lot of Afro-Panamanians, Afro-Brazilians, Afro-Peruvians, and that these people are there and they look like us, but they speak Spanish and they don't know where to necessarily find them. So it was, it's people like her that kind of like helps me be like, oh, so that you can connect with your actual family, you know, in these places, this is how you can find these people. But other than that, no, not really. Like people always be like, I'm like the black travel <laughs> historian. And so I think that made people even more excited when I came out with a book because people know like what I rock with or like mm -hmm. what I really be out here doing. And it just made that easier too, because I know it was something that people actually wanted. I always find it funny when people mention Afro-Panamanians um, because I don't think I've ever met a non-Black Panamanian. Really? I'm real tall. Like, at least not that I've known that they were Panamanian. You're on the East Coast. So. Right. I'm in New York. So I'm like yeah. every last Panamanian I've met. Exactly. And I've had plenty of Panamanian friends, dated yeah. Panamanian dudes, and they all Black. Every last one of them. I don't recall. Yeah, I guess now, it's... Go to Panama, it's... It's completely different. Mm. We're we're in so we're in certain pockets. So yeah, but no, and and then now that you said, it, I'm like, dang, in America, have I met any non-black Panamanians? And now I think about, I'm like, no, I haven't. But like I said, when you go to Panama, it's it's completely different. So that's so funny that I never realized that. Yeah, I've never met a Panamanian that wasn't black. I just thought about that. Never. Now, granted, I don't know I can't look at every Hispanic person or Spanish person that I see and be like this is where you're from but that's one of the things I mean all right so some of y'all know like I play that game like I like listening to people and then taking a guess as to what language you're speaking even though I don't know what the fuck you're saying but then also <laughs> I try to eyeball people and think about where they're from or just go based off of, like their accent or whatever it's just my game that I play for myself but and then also I live in New York so I feel like for a lot of listeners they may not have as diverse a network around them like if all you see is black people I also try to listen to different black people and say like what island are you from like can I pinpoint like all right now nah, she's Trini she nope I right, know nope. I know that's like, the mm. like they'll be like nah she's Jamaican I'll be like nope she's from Trini I'm like nope that's I do the same exact thing I'm like uh actually not thick enough Cayman Islands <laughs> yep, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. no uh, Haitian oh yep. yes <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening I so are you working on anything else? Is there anything else you want to share with the peoples? Um, no, you know, like I said, Green Book is out now. Um, but I have a big push again for Christmas where I'll be also releasing the app, but then I'll be releasing a workbook. Oh. So like if somebody wants to build out their itineraries in the actual book and mm -hmm. always have it, I'm going to release a workbook with it. But um, 2021, I would love to, or maybe 2022 now, um, I would love to launch the ABC Travel Magazine. 
um, which will come out four times a year quarterly. And it'll be a magazine that takes these businesses and these tours and these fitness companies, all of these things from the green book. And now you'll learn the story of, of who the people are who own these businesses. So it'd be like an actual magazine, but what it does is it, it actually now takes those businesses and like I said, it expands it. So you know there's right. stories, but then it hires and it gives opportunity for black journalists to go and seek out those stories. Mm. It gives opportunity for black photographers to go and take the pictures and it gives opportunity for black videographers to go and get the, the actual visual content. So it's a magazine for us, by us and travel, but to really, really like open up resources for tons of black people. So I'm excited about that. But you know, I gotta I gotta I gotta crawl before I could even walk. So I'm already uh, how do they say volunteering as tribute? I'm gonna start just <laughs> sending you because I write for a magazine, Taji. Shout out to uh, Nay. Hey, boo. Okay, um, okay. I'm basically their travel contributor, so okay. I'm gonna, yeah, so I'm gonna um, send you, you some stuff on that. Huh? Yeah, I will. Thank you. But, um, so being the creative director, how do you feel that travel has inspired or um, nurtured your creativeness? Ooh. So one thing about social media is there's always something new, right? And um, I never want stuff to look like other people. So I'm always trying to learn the new programs. I'm always trying to understand, okay, what program can I put with another program? Can I put with another program to have this outcome so it's nothing like people have ever seen? So just like the hopping platform for us, that was that was monumental because nobody was using it in the way that we were. So I know if you if you notice, we are like able to customize the actual um, the actual stage, and nobody was doing mm -hmm. that. It's always different ways. And then the commercial breaks, it's always my voiceover. Right. And I do like the black travel facts or whatever. And we noticed that nobody was doing anything like that at the conferences. So it's always trying to figure out ways to be cutting edge and bring information to people again, but to keep people definitely, um, see people definitely tuned in and engaged. So I'm mm -hmm. always trying to figure out new ways to be as creative as possible, show things in new ways. How do you feel that travel has um, contributed to that or changed it though. like in terms of for example I know that I am not patient it's just something my grandma prays for me love her thank you girl um appreciate it because I know that it's I don't want to say it's a weakness but it's something that I'm current I'm developing patient right, right. um especially when it comes in relation to other adults if you will I'm always patient with kids because kids don't know any better they're not supposed to know any better Right. But I know that since I've been that foreigner that does not speak the language, since I've been that person that absolutely doesn't know how to read the street signs or isn't familiar with what your traffic patterns are or where or like in um, Cuba, they have the, the street signs on the fucking rocks on the ground. So I'm sitting here looking around eye level lost for some direction and realizing I don't walked all the way from my house to the beach not looking at a fucking sign. And now I'm like, I don't know, is it a blue rock or a green rock? Right. So I'm absolutely more patient with people, even in my full time, because like, if I have to speak to somebody, I have people that come to me that don't speak English at all. I can fake it through some Spanish, but I had a woman that came to me and spoke um, Cantonese today. And wow. as opposed, like where I know a lot of my coworkers would just be like, sorry, bro. Like I, I, I have nothing for you. Pull out right. the fucking translator app. Like it's not that difficult. You know what I mean? So I find that because I've traveled more, I tend to actively work on my patience and work on, um, seeing how I don't beat myself up as much for not getting or producing or doing as much as I wake up saying, or I start the week off saying, I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna do this and yada, yada, yada. 
So is there any way that travel has influenced the way that you create or the methods or process that you use for your creative endeavors? Not in a large form, no. But because I have a blind friend who is a travel blogger and I get that she cannot see what I'm posting, even though she comments on every last thing, I, I started changing the way that I did descriptions of the photos, right? So there's something called alt text that yeah. a lot of people don't use. So instead of just posting, you know, a picture of a, a red house on the beach, you know, and just posting the picture, you can say, you know, strawberry red house uh, beneath the, the beach with the crystalline waters that is turquoise sky and two seagulls flying through, like, that has changed the way that I've done things because I always have to remember if somebody can't hear, right, right. is what you're showing, does that come off, you know, in a place right. that they can understand if somebody can't see is what you're showing, does that help, is there, is there ways that they can hear you? So I always take that into actual accounts when creating stuff. And that's because I started traveling with my blind friend and oh, realized wow. like the destination is not set up for her. You know, we, a tourism board took us, invited us to a location and took us on a graffiti tour. Okay, sir, this is a blind person Damn. on a graffiti tour. And you're just like, oh, if you look right here to your right, you'll notice that the picture by such and such. And I'm like, but what is the picture? How you expect it to write about if you're not even explaining? And then they put us on this damn graffiti tour where we're, where we're actually painting graffiti. And the man starts telling us how to do it. I'm like, hello, she's blind. And I'm like, all right, Saz, get up. So as he's doing stuff, I'm like, all right, spread your legs like this. Okay, like reach out your hand this much. Mm -hmm. You want to do like left to right, like a windshield wiper, but you want to make sure that you're still close or else it's going to run. You know what I mean? I'm like, right, right, right. I, I have to do that. And y'all are the people who work for the tourism board. Y'all the ones who set this up and y'all not thinking about what she experiences. So right. it's things like that that has changed my perspective and how mm -hmm. I do create because I'm like, there's somebody who can't hear, there's somebody who can't see. How can you still get your message across even though they have, you know, these disabilities? And it's like, they really able as fuck, but we just enable them because we enable the shit that we do. So right. it's one of those also, but they have definitely changed the way that I do things. That's a really, really, really good point. I know I'd spoken with um, Fletcher Cleves. I had oh, him yeah. on. Okay, Fletch, yes. Yeah, and talking to him about... Like you, you, it's like you, in one sense, you feel like you're open-minded enough to consider other people and other needs. And, you know, you do simple things like you hope you open, you hold doors for people. You hope you see them coming. So you open the door for them or you carry things, you lift things, little things like that. But just the, all right, so damn, you can't stay here or you have to do a certain Airbnb search because you're going to need lower counters or wider doorways or everything has to be on the first floor or you can't stay at every hotel because not nah, fam, like, no, like, what do you mean? Put me on the second floor and you only have stairs, like little things like just the extra steps that you have to take in terms of you know, making sure that you're going to be accommodated for when you get to these places. Mm -hmm. um, one final question is, do you have any um, points of note for the LGBTQIA? I don't even know if I got all the letters in there, but, but a community in there. Like, um, I know for, I had another guest, I met him in Cuba and he is a man and I mean, like, he's a man. He He identifies as a man, but not I, I know because last time I spoke to him, he was working through that and he was, so I don't want to say, cause this was maybe like almost a year ago is the last time we spoke about it, but 
at that time, he identified as a man, but he went out in complete drag. Like he always dressed as a woman, presented as a woman. And that was his thing. Like he had a good ass time. He had no pro, like he didn't want to be a woman, but he portrayed himself as a woman and had a kick ass time as it. But for him, he has um, that extra step to making sure that he finds countries where he can feel comfortable doing that because he's also like 22. So nightlife is a big thing for him. So he wants to go out and party. He wants to go out for drinks and dance and socialize. So do you have like a nightlife section in the book or do you have a um, gay, queer and non-binary friendly section? Yes, where I give you the black travel communities that fit into that place. But then I give you a non-black resource, but a resource that was made specifically for queer travelers that has been around actually since the 60s that I didn't know about prior to doing this book mm -hmm. um, so that you still feel celebrated and respected and safe mm -hmm. as a black queer traveler. So, yeah, actually, I do. And I'm assuming that with your emphasis on um, catering, the content that you create to... I don't want to, how do you, mm, I guess, because you made a good point. It's like they're fully able-bodied, but we just limit them with the way that we present information and content. So mm -hmm. is there a section for travelers that do have, I guess, mobility concerns or? Um, Not necessarily, no, because okay. there's no black group for them. Gotcha. So like okay. I go to a point where I'm like black groups, right? Black okay. community for you to join. Um, and so like, I mentioned a black nudist group. Um, you know, I, I do things that I mentioned black LGBTQ groups, um, IA, I'm sorry, um, plus also. <laughs> um, I hate saying queer because I feel like that doesn't encompass everybody. I feel like not everybody always identifies with queer. Right. But anyways, it's a personal, it's a preference, a, a case by case basis. I tell people, ask them what they want to be called right. um, or ask them their preference. But yeah, I do go through certain things like that or like black moms group or black family okay. travel groups so that people just know like there is a community out there for you. Black adventure travel groups. Like mm -hmm. I do let people know. Okay, cool. So where can we find you? If someone wants to reach out to, reach out to you about um, being included in a future issue or if they find a niche area that they feel like you should be included in another issue or something, how can we reach you? And how can we also just stay up to date with the content that you're creating? Yeah, so my personal platforms are Marty underscore San Diego. Um, and that's how you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's just Martinique Lewis. And then for the ABC Travel Green Book, that is exactly what we are on Instagram and on Facebook. And our website is www.abctravelgreenbook.com. All right. Well, Marty, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for doing all the work because I have enough trouble just picking out a fucking Airbnb when I go someplace. So <laughs> <laughs> finding all of these resources is such a gem. So make sure you guys get your copy. It's available now, right? Yes. On Digital Barnes. copies, hard copies. Yep. Um, and show us some love, guys. So mm -hmm. that's it. Uh, appreciate y'all for listening. Um, the same shit I say every week, y'all. Make sure to hit me up <laughs> on the Instagrams if you need anything, underscore D carry or T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N-S-H-I-T. No, S-H underscore T on the Instagrams. Um, and you can also go to travelshippodcast.com for the merch, for the solo travel planning guide, for the um, mailing list, and whatever the fuck else I told y'all last week too. 
I got these hot wings. No, I got the lemon pepper wings again. I told y'all them shit's not and they about to be cold. So thanks for listening, y'all. I'll catch y'all motherfuckers on the next episode. Bye. Boom. Bye, YouTubes.